In our cattle industry, oftentimes the tone of the market is reflected in what cash cattle are trading. But do we really understand what types of cattle are setting those price points in these negotiations between the feeders and the packers? Shaley Stewart with DTN and Cattle Market News is my guest as we discuss this topic, as well as what we can take away from that when it comes to marketing our own livestock. When we are marketing our animals, not only what are the prices, but what is representing that price. Plus, it's the American Hereford Association in this week's Breed Spotlight on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Hi, everyone, and welcome again. It's another episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Thanks for joining us here on our program today. This is episode 75, and if you want to go back and listen to it on our podcast site, we're pretty much on any podcast provider out there. You can search under Working Ranch Radio Show. You'll find us. I want to remind you, if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's show, episode 74, it was with uh, entertainer and funny man, Mr. Flint Rasmussen. And if you've been to a professional bull rider's event or down in Las Vegas for the National Finals Rodeo and out to Cowboy Christmas where they have their uh, the stage and everything, he is uh, he's one of the components of all these events and one that people enjoy to to, uh, to listen to and hear. And, and we had an opportunity to sit down with Flint Rasmussen last week. And so that show is with him. Of course, some other shows, great shows we've had as well. Be sure to check those out at our podcast site. In regards to this week's show. Boy, we have a lot going on as uh, Shaley Stewart with DTN and also with Cattle Market News will be joining us. We're going to be talking about, do we know, Are we? do we understand the market here and the fact that this cash cattle market uh, that is established, what kind of cattle are being used to establish that market? Does that really represent our beef herd? Now, we're not going to be derogatory towards any specific breeds or anything like that, but at the same time, do we know that and with by knowing that what, how can we use that information when we go to marketing our own livestock? So that's a good conversation we'll have with Shaley Stewart on that. Also in this week's show, the American Hereford Association steps into this week's Breed Spotlight as Jack Ward and Shane Bedwell will be joining me from the American Hereford Association to talk about what is going on with their association. Right now, a quick thank you to the sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, Bobcat, one tough tractor. Visit bobcat.com and you can use the build and quote tool to design your ideal machine. Gelvy Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. To find out more, go to their website at gelvy.org. Well, it's time now to check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne. He is the publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. Uh, Watching all that flooding up in Montana. It looks pretty bad. Um, just updating you here on the June-July issue, some of the features that we've got. Uh, Nebraska celebrates 50 years of natural resources districts. They rolled out America's first NRD back in 1972. That's on page 70. State by State featuring the Pennsylvania Cattlemen's Association. They're up to some really cool stuff. That's by Casey Atkinson. Page 76, the Adams Ranch. This is a nice feature. The, this Florida beef production icon started with a 
tiny piece of unfenced land and a mighty dream. This is by Dale Bliss. It's the first time she's wrote for us. Great story, great photos, and uh, boy, they got some great beef cattle uh, genetics down in that country. And the Rancher's Journal, Sailing Against the Wind, the story documenting the challenges of developing a cow-calf outfit in the canyons of southwest Nebraska by Megan Messersmith. Now, you guys got to read these stories. Go to workingranchmag.com. Sign up to subscribe if you don't already have a subscription. And uh, enjoy the magazine. Justin, back to you. All right. Thanks, Captain. And, uh, you know, speaking of Working Ranch Magazine, I have my June, July copy in front of me looking at it right now. And in fact, as I was flipping through it, there was an ad on page 87 for Heritage Livestock that caught my attention because it had a beautiful picture of a big, uh, almost three quarter draft looking horse there dragging a calf to the fire. Um, And it's the only reason that it really intrigued me is because it's really come up in conversation here as of late with a lot of different folks about the popularity we're starting to see across ranches in the country of these quarter draft or half or three quarter draft horses so here's what i'd like for you to do send me your pictures of what you have i'd like to see what's out there 307-363-COWS is my phone number or you can also send it to me on email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com send me your picture of a quarter half or three quarter draft horse that you got i'm intrigued to see what's out there well stay with us coming up next we're going to hear from jack ward and shane bedwell with the american herford association later on shaley stewart and then of course in our last segment here today meteorologist don day we'll be back when the working ranch radio show continues whoa Herefords are the efficiency experts for a reason. In crossbreeding systems, Herefords boost pregnancy rates by 7% and add $30 per head in feed yard profitability. And Hereford genetics bring unrivaled hybrid vigor, longevity, and disposition. Now that'll stop you in your tracks. Come home to Hereford for more pounds, more calves, and more profit. Visit Hereford.org for a sale near you. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you on our program here today as we turn now to our breed spotlight. And joining us from the American Hereford Association is Mr. Jack Ward, who's the Executive Vice President and Shane Bedwell, Director of Breed Improvement. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us here on our program today. Well, thank you, Justin. Uh, We appreciate the opportunity. It's good to be with you. Well, let's get into where we're at right now. It's it's been a uh, a busy bull season. If we look in the rearview mirror, and uh, you guys are kind of working through this summer and some things there. Where are we at with the association as as you guys, you know, kind of moving into the second half of 2022? Uh, when we look at our strategic plan and where the association is headed, what do you see looking ahead for the American Hereford Association? Justin, uh, as you mentioned, we we are just uh, kind of getting out of a good uh, uh, bull sale season through the spring. Uh, we've seen, uh, again, just uh, an increase in prices per bull sold, and uh, we've seen more bulls sold across the U.S. here in the last few months. Hereford bulls sold in the U.S. the last few months, and so we're very fortunate. Uh, people still demanding high-quality genetics and uh Really appreciate the work that our breeders are doing at providing that uh, type of animal uh, to the the commercial industry. And 
As you mentioned, uh, uh, strategically, uh, our association just uh, is in, in, in the middle of uh, working on our, our next strategic plan. And uh, there's going to be a ton of focus uh, uh, as we roll through here of where Hereford fits uh, in the maternal side of this commercial cow herd. Uh, we see a, a lot of uh, opportunity here, uh, the uh, longevity, the fertility, the disposition, intake, and just the sustainability model uh, that the Hereford breed uh, has to offer the commercial industry and where we're headed uh, moving forward. You know, I, I attended a, a great meeting here about a month ago, and I know Shane's been to several, and there's been a ton of focus on sustainability and what it means. It defines, uh, obviously, uh, making that commercial producer profitable, uh, and yet uh, uh, leaving a, a good effect on the environment. And uh, uh, we feel, well, we don't feel, we know that Hereford has a real place there because of the, uh, the amount of research and the amount of work uh, that we've done over the last few decades. Uh, we feel like we can position ourselves very well in this in this area. Mm-hmm. You know, Jack, you touched on a couple different points there. First, you know, from the bull side of things, a lot of demand for that uh, that crossbred calf out there, and what we can get out of heterosis from these bulls. The other thing you talked on there was the female side of things, and and, and whether you're looking at this from a, a full breed or even these bally calves that can be really good mamas as they grow up. That there's a lot of demand, and that's you know when you talk to commercial guys out there range guys out there a lot of demand for the type of cattle you're talking about no there's no question justin uh, we have uh, been fully focused on that honestly for the last uh, 15 years or so that uh, the various projects that we've done from harris ranch to circle a uh, we're working with simplot ranches and we've got a very a couple of very new and interesting uh, research projects going on that kind of move us uh, in, into the next part of this evolution. And, and I'll let uh, Shane touch on uh, this project we have with the University of Illinois, and uh, its biggest focus is on the maternal side of, of where we are. Yep. Shane, I'll go to you. Yeah, go ahead. You want to talk about that? Yeah, that's, it, it's a really fun project that we're starting, and uh, it's really a, a comprehensive look at the previous 15 years of research that the association has conducted because we've we've proven uh, over and over again the the pounds advantage of direct heterosis and what you get there in that first cross. Uh, we've also shown in those studies uh, the advantage in pregnancy rate and conception, um, anywhere from seven to ten percent in those baldy females that are retained, um, and we've studied that. And then uh, Dave Lawman at Oklahoma State University showed here recently. Uh, two pound reduction per day in intake of those baldy females. And those baldy females also stayed in a half a body condition score, uh, better shape. So we said, okay, let's put together one big project where we take them all the way through um, the measure, the direct heterosis, measure the carcass performance, measure the feed efficiency uh, that we have a documented advantage in. And then let's keep those baldy females not only one year, let's keep them two years, let's keep them three years, and then let's measure cow weight, let's measure uh, feed efficiency. So we're going to pull those females and measure them um, prior to breeding uh, and with feed intake. We're going to calve them out, 
Um, and then we're going to bring them back in while they're lactating and measure that uh, feed intake and that feed efficiency of that female back in uh, and a lot with a growing type of diet, a forage based diet that would mimic uh, what we see out in the pasture. Mm-hmm. Um, so this whole study is going to be a very comprehensive look at uh, the efficiency advantage, uh, the maternal efficiency advantage that we've seen in, in various research projects. And then it'll be a whole economic kind of holistic approach uh, to where this baldy female can really work. And more importantly, where that Hereford bull really fits in today's uh, national cow herd and where we can have a big advantage. Mm-hmm. Justin, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, honestly, too, if I could interject here a little bit, what Shane talked about and what you mentioned about that uh uh, that F1 female, it's not only advantages in, in intake and and efficiency and body condition scores, but uh, we also know that that F1 female is more fertile. Uh, she lasts longer. And so all of those things will be accounted for in this research. And, and again, it's just the continuous research that we've done here at the AHA over the past couple of decades. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some other research projects. Jack, I know you had talked about something uh, you just had released about uh, the American Hereford Association had, had released some information on a uh, project study that you're doing with uh, Colorado State University. You bet, Justin. We're, we are very excited about this uh, partnership uh, uh, with the team at CSU, uh, in, including uh, their animal science department, as well as uh, uh, Kim Stackhouse Lawson and some work in, in the area of sustainability. And like Shane had mentioned earlier about what we've, we've seen in our various research projects, uh, Justin, what you talked about in that advantage uh, with that F1 cross, uh, that crossbreeding hybrid vigor and uh, some of the various uh, effects that it has, not only in the profitability of a rancher, but as a consumer demands a a little bit more transparency and and begins to look at the overall uh, uh, environmental impact uh, that our industry has. We, we know that the cattle are upcyclers and we, we know they have a, a very positive impact on, on, uh, on the environment. Uh, there's a lot of work being done in the area of nutrition uh, for sustainability, but we felt like there was a, an opportunity for us from a genetic standpoint to look at where Hereford fits. And uh, we felt like uh, the collaboration with CSU alongside uh, our um, uh, longstanding uh, test herd at, at Olson Ranch in Nebraska made for a great partnership. Uh, so we're going to uh, work with the team at CSU. Uh, there's gonna be a dedicated uh, uh, person uh, there at uh, the university uh, that uh, we're going to support uh, to evaluate and look at this research and collect the data. And again, it's a long-term process uh, that uh, going to take a look at all of the components here. And uh, we have been collecting uh, feed intake now for almost 10 years or more. That's right. Yep. At uh, Olson Ranch and uh, those uh, individual phenotypes, we we see and we know the difference that efficiency makes in the overall profitability of a program. We also know that the, through the research that we've seen, Uh, An advantage in efficiency also gives you an advantage in methane uh, excretion. And uh, we're also going to add to this uh, uh, nitrogen component, Mm -hmm. uh, Justin. And so a very elaborate project. Uh, It'll be ongoing. 
Uh, we're planning to make an, an official release through a webinar on July 12th, 12th okay. uh, here. So coming up in two or three weeks. So uh, if any of your listeners or yourself mm-hmm. want to learn more details about the project, we'll have that uh, on July 12th. But we're we're very excited about it. Yeah. We think it's going to be a great opportunity for us, not only to prove genetically where we fit, uh, but also then uh, add that component uh, to the uh, marketing of certified Hereford beef. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we approach the consumer and uh, touch that side of the business as well. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good project there. And of course, Dr. Kim Stackhouse Lawson has quite a reputation too as well. So uh, a good good study there. Let's really quick, we just a couple things here. Really quick, let's talk about marketing. You just mentioned a little bit ago, certified Hereford uh, projects or beef and, and some things there. Let's talk about some marketing. I know you guys are continuing some work in those areas and let's touch on that just a little bit. Yeah, sure, uh, Justin. Uh, again, yeah, we, we are seeing a, a change here in certified Hereford beef. Nice growth. Uh, touches a lot of feeder cattle. Uh, no no doubt uh, we're committed to that program, but also got a couple of very interesting uh, things going on in terms of feeder calf marketing. We just hired a, a young man on the West Coast to kind of bridge the gap between producers and, and feed yards, a young man by the name of Jake Drost. Uh, from Northern, I'm I'm sorry, he actually lives in Southern Oregon, Klamath Falls, uh, but will kind of service that West Coast, California, Oregon area. Uh, We also have a a relationship with S Equals Cattle Company, Nolan Stone, uh, and and have uh, availability of of, uh, placing feeder cattle uh, through Nolan in a multitude uh, of uh, feed yards uh, throughout the Midwest and West. So we're very excited about those. We we obviously continue to work with our Red Angus, with the Red Angus Association on a partnership with the Premium Red Baldy Program. We're seeing some growth there and some opportunities. So a number of things going on. We're excited. Uh, really a great staff getting in place to uh, to make these things happen. And uh, lots of uh, really exciting things happening at the HA. Mm-hmm. Well, before we head, uh, Shane, I want you to address, I know you guys have a podcast that you've been doing. You're the host of that podcast. Talk a little bit about that and how folks can go to listen to that. Yeah, so we started a podcast, uh, I believe it was in February or March, I can't can't remember when, but uh, we're doing a monthly podcast, it's called 1881, and it covers a variety of topics, whether it's uh, a little bit about the association and the folks uh, behind the breed, whether that's uh, staff inter- internally or breeders, uh, Hall of Fame breeders and different programs that uh, that we feature to this point. We had a great uh, section on certified Hereford beef and one of the longtime uh, retailers here uh, in Kansas City, uh, Hen House. And uh, we're actually going to have uh, some bull stud folks on uh, this next episode to, to cover AI and uh, you know, bull procurement and what they're looking for and uh, the technology uh, that's now progressed uh, very much so here in the last several years. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, I'd invite anybody uh, to come and, and listen to it. Uh, you can find it on any of the channels uh, and, and avenues for, for podcasts out there. It sits out there, but it's 1881. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd sure like you to come and, and listen. Okay. All right, guys. Well, that's going to kind of wrap things up here for, for now. But I do appreciate you taking the time to do it. looks uh, very exciting to hear some of the news with the American Hereford Association and and uh, wishing you guys the best here for the rest of 2022. We appreciate it. Thank you, Justin. appreciate the opportunity.
Jack Ward, Executive Vice President of the American Hereford Association, and Shane Bedwell, Director of Breed Improvement, our guests here today on our Breed Spotlight. By the way, you can go to their website at hereford.org to find out more information as well. Well, stay with us when we come back. Shaley Stewart joins us. She is a DTN Livestock Analyst as we discuss her recent article that she wrote entitled The Wrong Type of Cattle are setting the market's price. We're going to talk about that and what that means to us as ranchers here out in the country when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Living in the country means working in the country, and that calls for a tough tractor. Well, Bobcat has 15 models in its compact tractor lineup from 21 to 58 horsepower. With the help of your local Bobcat dealer, you'll find a perfect match for your property and to-do list. Get a look at all the different models at Bobcat.com, and while you're there, use the Build and Quote tool to design your ideal machine. Get yourself one tough tractor from one tough animal. Bobcat. Visit Bobcat.com. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We appreciate you joining us here on our program as we head now into our featured interview today. And as we talked about uh, earlier in the program, uh, our guest today is Miss Shaley Stewart. Shaley, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Hey, Justin, I sure appreciate it. I love the content you guys put out, and I love talking to your viewers and just getting to add some some commentary. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, I said I introduced you without saying your t- title, so I'm going to do that now. But uh, she is uh, with DTN <laughs> Livestock Analysts and also host of the Cattle Market News. We'll talk about that later in the show here today. First, before we kind of get into talking about what, we're, what I had you on here to talk about, uh, I know you're up in that part of the country of northwestern Wyoming, and you were raised up in the part of the country of Montana that's seeing quite a bit of moisture. And uh, yeah. there, where yeah. you're at around Cody, Wyoming, you guys probably not seeing much of the flooding because of the reservoir, Buffaloville Reservoir. But over in your home country, just over about two drainages over to the north, they're seeing some pretty tough flooding uh, in that Rock Creek drainage area that comes off of down through Red Lodge and down and meets up with the Yellowstone River. You know, it's funny that you bring that up, Justin, because that's all I've been talking about with my folks and my grandparents and everybody in our precious little community as of late. You know, like you said, here in Cody, we're okay, and especially where Jimmy and I are up the South Fork. But, you know, my folks run cows in Red Lodge, and I just, my heart just absolutely breaks for that little town and that entire valley because it started in Red Lodge, obviously, and then just moved down the creek. It took out all those little towns, and they're just seeing flooding, and it's just creating astronomical damage. You know, the whole main street of Red Lodge just had the entire Creek, rock creek running through it yesterday there's gravel washed up there's huge rocks washed up houses are completely taken out and then my folks uh, uh put up some hay down further on the clark's fork valley and on a couple of the pivots that they leased down there the fields are so flooded to the point that the water is two feet above the tires on mm. some of those bottom pivots wow. and so the damage that's created from that is just going to be astronomical and i mean heck we're in a year where you know <laughs> hay stocks are down seven percent compared to a year ago and now you know we were praying for moisture praying for moisture and then by golly it came so now we're going to be in the other other category and other extreme so yeah. nevertheless we'll keep praying but uh mother nature is a tricky one to navigate well for sure 
it's kind of like uh, we, we could share some of this moisture with the folks down the south central area in Texas and Oklahoma. Right. I know last year I had a, was visiting with uh, with Wally Olson down out of Claremore, Oklahoma, and he was he had, they had so much rain down in there that they couldn't even get their garden started. So I said, well, you know, we just need a little up here in Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> just a little, right? Just a little. Yeah. Well, let's get into the topic. Uh, you had an article that you come out here as a DTN livestock analyst that was pushed out, and the title of it was The Wrong Type of Cattle Are Setting the Market Prices. And I'm going to go to the very last line of that article when it said, you know, that really those of us in ranching, now I know for folks that maybe really understand the cash cattle market, maybe they were aware of this and probably wasn't totally surprised by this, but really it's getting into, as you said in that very last line, is believing that the market starters are a true representation of the market is a fallacy, is also a fallacy. Let's talk about the premises of this article and what you were wanting to get across in the message of this. Well, Justin, this is a great topic to address because even though, like you said, not a lot of folks have experience with the cash cattle market because, you know, not everybody trades fat cattle, we can all understand it and understand how it influences prices and affects really everybody from the feedlot sector all the way down to the cow-calf producer. So let's go ahead and put it in cow-calf producer terms. Okay. So this past week, Superior had their first big going to grass sale and, you know, we saw calves selling on the on the market and mm-hmm. some sold great, some sold, you know, here, there, wherever depending on what type of cattle they were. But, you know, we all savvy that information. We all savvied those prices because we wanted to understand what the feeder cattle market, what the fall market of 2022 was going to be. We wanted to get something, get a gauge, get a grasp, get an understanding of what that market was going to entail later this fall. And given that we hadn't really seen a good test of what the market would be this upcoming fall, because it's been too early for feeder cattle and calves to trade, we all really gravitated to those sales for that information. Mm -hmm. And so that in and of itself is a market starter. Now, obviously, just like on the sale in Superior this past week, the fat cattle market each and every week is market starters itself. And so as the market is undeveloped for the for the week, or like I said, in comparison to Superior sale, when we start the market, we always have to ask ourselves, not only what are the prices starting the market, but what are the cattle representing those prices? And so let's put it in cow-calf terms. If you had an individual who, you know what, he didn't have a lot of funds to work with. And so he had to scrounge up every penny, like I guess all of us, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, he wanted to get in, he wanted to get into some calves because he understood that this uh, calf market was going to be strong in the fall of 2022. And you know what he, what he did is he went ahead and bought up some bum calves. And so, you know what, let's say that he's got 60 of them to sell and uh, grew them up. And so, you know, they're kind of a put together set, not necessarily something that you'd want to market to the feedlots because you don't know exactly how they're going to grade, how they're going to perform, what their feed intake is going to be or how they're going to grow and develop. But you know what? He has a group of calves together and he's going to sell them. Now, if adversely, we have an individual who, let's say, comes from a renowned, you know, reputation, a historical ranch that's been, you know, running cattle for, let's say, 40, 50, 60 years, knows the genetics inside and out, knows how the cattle do in the feedlots, how they perform, how they grade, how they yield, you wouldn't expect that necessarily the same that the same number of calves if Joe Blow down the road sold 60 of those bum calves, mm-hmm. and then the guy that has the historical ra- uh, ranch sold 60 of those calves, you wouldn't think that they that they demand the same price, would you? No, you wouldn't. No, you no, you wouldn't. And so that's the same thing on the fat cattle market. 
is even just because the fat cattle market has prices summoned and has market starters, we have to ask what are those prices representing? Are they representing the quote unquote cattle like this, the uh, bum calves, or are they representing this long historical genetics of a reputation ranch? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying that the bum calves are a bad thing for the market because guess what? We all have got to figure out this marketplace and navigate profit where we can deem profit um, available and, uh, and the opportunity exists. But we have to say, okay, when we are marketing our animals, not only what are the prices, but what is representing that price? Because we know our product and what we're trying to represent. And from that, we have to take that data and say, should our should our target value be more than that or less than that? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's the issue, you know, we're bringing out here is the fact that as you talk about in your article, the market starters in the cash cattle market and, and not to be derogatory towards these type of cattle, but it's, it's not what people are thinking is maybe, uh, you know, prime beef that's going, you know, that's being sold to the Packers. Exactly. Exactly. And and like I highlighted in the article, you know, it could be anything from Holstein cross calves, Mexican uh, or originated cattle, um, HT cattle, what have you. And like you said, they belong in our market Mm -hmm. because we need those cattle. We have a place in our market for those cattle. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the bell ringers, like the genetics that are sourced out of, you know, you know, uh, reputable herds and, and out of the north, per se. They're not the same type of cattle. And so it doesn't make sense to sell cattle that, you know, that are feeding in Nebraska or feeding in Wyoming and Montana, South Dakota, Kansas, what have you, that they should deem the same price, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. My guest today, folks, if you're just joining us, is Shaley Stewart. She's the DTN Livestock Analyst, also hosts the Cattle Market News. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're we're going to continue to talk more about this and what it means to us as, as ranchers, everyday ranchers out here. Maybe we're not cash cattle traders as much, but we oftentimes use, well, cash cattle are trading here and maybe we don't understand really where that's coming from and how that applies to us here on the ranch. So we're going to talk about that more when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. For commercial cow-calf producers, crossbreeding with Galvay and Balancer is the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Galvay and Balancer females offer maternal superiority through increased fertility, greater longevity, and more pounds of calf weaned per cow exposed. In the feed yard, Balancer cattle can offer increased performance, improve feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Gelby and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to gelbate.org. And we welcome you back here again to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today joining us is Shaley Stewart, with DTN Livestock Analyst and also host of Cattle Market News. Uh, Shaley, a little bit ago in the first segment with you, we were talking about really what market starters were and the whole concept of that. You gave an example of Kind of how that would relate to us as ranchers in the cash cattle business, though, uh, we are realizing in the article that you wrote on that, that it was about uh, the pins of cattle that maybe aren't the type of cattle that bring the most out there. Not that they're not desirable cattle, but they're not the cattle that are the prime type of beef out there. And I guess what I felt when I read your article was this, is that there's a lot of times us in the ranching industry, if we're selling beef privately, maybe somebody locally wants a beef and they want to and take it to the local butcher shop. We say, well, cash cattle traded at this price, a dollar dollar one forty six per hundred weight this week, and so let's just go off of that. And I think we have to understand that that price that was established on that cattle cash cattle market 
maybe doesn't represent what you are selling. In fact, what you have might actually be worth more than that. I think you're exactly right. And I I think that we need to hone in on that point and understand that different regions demand different prices, whether it's because of freight, whether it's because the type of cattle, whether it's because of show list. And you know what? Right now, this pocket of the country has more cattle than what it can get processed through. This pocket of the country has a green show list. And so, you know what? They're pulling on those cathode fats. They're working through throughput and processing speeds are, you know, running vigorously. And so we have to understand that regionally, our prices are going to vary and are going to be different because of supply and demand economics, but then sometimes also because of quality. And so, you know, what have you, I think that as you mentioned, Justin, in such a perfect example, when you are selling cattle, you have got to understand that it, that prices are very important and they do matter, but the volume of, of what those prices brought, how many cattle traded at that price, so volume, and then also the representation of what that price represented, meaning the individual of what sold is equally as important. So like I said, we have to understand price, we have to understand volume, and we have to understand what was represented at that price and at that volume in the marketplace. Because if you just have, let's say, 40 head traded $1.46, but you had, let's say, you know, 7,000 head trade at $1.43, we have to take that into consideration. And so as we understand markets, we all love to just jump to price. What was the price? What did they bring? How much are they worth? What did they sell for? We have to understand the other components in the marketplace because they are equally as important. And that's interesting that you say that because I think as you were talking a little bit ago about Superior having their sale, uh, a lot of times when we look at these prices that come across the different sales, whether it's at the sale barn or whether it's uh, cash cattle trade reported or Superior sale or Northern sale that's being reported, uh, we see these prices and, and we think, well, that's where we're at on this market. And we don't have a really full understanding of, of the dynamics around those prices reported prices. Oh, you're exactly right. And and those sales are a great representation of what one day demanded, but that doesn't mean that the market is set in stone. And so I, I think that it's so important to realize and understand that prices are liquid. Mm-hmm. And so what, what prices might be today could be completely different to what as, as to what they could be in the weeks and months ahead. So cattle sold, and those are the prices they demanded on that day. And sometimes that's great. Sometimes that's the highest the market's ever going to be. But then sometimes adversely, that's also the lowest that the market's ever going to be. And so that's why it's so important that when we're, you know, digging into markets and understanding their, their content and what that means to us as ranchers, that we're taking into, into account what else is pinging on the marketplace? All right, we're sitting in June, the middle, the, the first the first big sales of the feeder cattle market of 2022 are happening right now. But you know what? We also have to take into account that corn's already planted. You know, we're, we're sitting pretty good on our corn planting. How is that How is that crop developing? How is the war in Ukraine developing? What is our economy doing? You know what? We're expected to see interest rates increase. How is that affecting the marketplace? We can't just hone in and think about the cattle market and think that it's not a liquid market. It is something that changes every single day. And though the commodity, the cattle that sit in our pastures don't seem to change in their value every day, we have to be so careful because the market does. Mm -hmm. And so if it moves to a price point in which we're not pleased with, we have to think about how we're going to move our asset, our cattle into a different sphere to where it can bring the price in which we desire. Sometimes that means moving it into a different region. You know, if if uh, feed if feed is short here in Wyoming, I'm not going to sell my cattle here in Wyoming. I'm probably going to move them to greener parts of the United States 
Maybe that'd be South Dakota. Maybe that'd bring Nebraska. Maybe that just means simply Southern Wyoming. Maybe that means Montana. But you know what? You have to think about moving your cattle because they are an asset into an equation to where they can be the most profitable. Mm-hmm. I want to get back to this article and and the terminology that you use is market starters. And, and this is really, as, as you pointed out in this article, this is a mechanism that really has been used in this cash cattle market for quite some time. Am I correct? Absolutely. Yes. And and so with this tool, that's it's a tool that basically the, the packers are using and it's and, and, and this isn't a, a show in which we're going to go after the packers necessarily. But it's at the same time, we have to understand that this is part of that process. And when you're pointing this out to us, I guess for me, it was just we realized that, wow, we really need to be aware of, of this tool that's being used out there and that that's part of what is setting this tone. Oh, you're, you're so right. And I think the biggest point in which I tried to highlight in that article is that we have to demand more insight into our markets because that's where our profits are garnished. And so as cattlemen, as feedlots, as cow-calf producers, as backgrounders, we have to ask more questions. And so, all right, the cash cattle market is a little bit different than that of the feeder cattle market because feeder cattle trade realistically five days, five and a half days a week, realistically pretty much 52 weeks throughout the year. You know, obviously on holiday weeks, not so much, but they're always trading. The cash cattle market is different. Realistically, prices are set in a one hour time span each and every week. And so the cash cattle market is hard because as soon as you start to hear prices buzzing, people start to get a little bit of that uh, rumbling in their stomach and the butterflies in their in their stomach and they say, okay, what's this mean for my show list? What's this mean for my penny cattle that I have to trade? Is this what I want? Is this not what I want? Do I dare pass up a bid and wait for tomorrow and hope that the market gets stronger? They have to be a little bit more strategic because there's not as many options. The cash cattle market isn't traded as robustly. But as cow-calf producers, that's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's how the cash cattle market is traded. But for us, we do have more options. Mm-hmm. And so while a lesson that we can take from the cash cattle market is that we have to demand more. We have to demand more insight. We have to demand more understanding. And we have to fully understand what is selling, what those prices represent, and what that means for our operation, our calves that we have to sell, and how we should market them. Mm-hmm. You know, and as, as you were talking, I, something that came about, in, I guess, in my head that I wanted to clarify is our show in your article here today isn't about to really go after one sector of the industry or not. That wasn't as much as what I got out of it. It was just, hey, folks, this is what's going on and i think we also have to understand i'm a cow calf guy so i'm selling calves in the fall or we'll hold hold these heifers over maybe sell them as spade heifers or bred heifers later on but at the same time we have to understand if if i'm a feedlot operator and i got seven thousand head on feed or fifty thousand head on feed some of those got to go and and it's yeah. you know it's easy to look armchair quarterback this and say well the, you know the feeders are doing their feedlots are doing this or the packers are doing this I think we just really need to understand this is what happens exactly we're going to take a break here my guest today is Shaley Stewart DTN livestock analyst as we've been talking a little bit about a recent article that she wrote entitled the wrong type of cattle are setting the market's price as we're exploring that cash cattle market and what's being done there in addition to how that is applicable to us as ranchers out in the country. We're going to continue. We have one more segment coming up with Shaley when we return here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. 
starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. If you're just joining us, our guest this week is Shaley Stewart. She is host of the Cattle Market News and also a DTN Livestock Analyst. We're going to talk about Cattle Market News here in just a little bit. But Shaley, I also know that every week you do give a, a Cattle Market update through the Cattle Market News uh, Facebook page there. Let's talk about where this cash market is at. We There's a lot of, um, I guess, if you want to call it a lot of optimism that our market, cattle market just in general yeah. is, is trending up, I should say. And so when we look at this cash cattle market that sets that, establishes that trade across the country, what do you see for the, the as we start into summer and then looking into the fall? Oh, that's a, <laughs> that's one of those questions where you always wish you had a crystal ball. And so I'm just going to talk to you through the market as, as to what we see right now, what we know is true and the potentials and the opportunities and some of the headwinds that we could face in the weeks and months ahead. So like you mentioned, Justin, right now, we are just so excited about the fat kennel market because even though we are heading into the quote unquote dog days of summer, the cash kennel market has a tremendous amount of steam behind it. And so, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at those cattle on feed reports and just really scratching our head and kicking the dirt because man we have record numbers of on-feed cattle to work through and we know that uh you know with with an economy of what it is right now that uh, beef demand could have been a little bit pressured but honestly packers have been running vigorous chain speeds our throughput has been exceptional and actually the cash cattle market has seen tremendous gains in the last two weeks last week uh, fat cattle traded anywhere from two to four dollars stronger and that's really because uh, packers got caught showing their car and they're short bought. Mm -hmm. And so as we move into the next couple of weeks, we expect that that same type of demand, that same type of interest is going to be seen in the cash cattle market. And we're going to see uh, prices higher in the next couple of weeks when seasonally, realistically, the market should be trending lower. And so, you know, in the last couple of years, we've noticed that the cash cattle market has a harder time rallying if it doesn't have the support of the uh, futures market. And thankfully, this, this market progression has came as a two-sided coin. We're seeing the support fundamentally and we're seeing the support technically so that's very encouraging very positive for the market now as we move into july we obviously have a lot of things that we have to manage and juggle and that the market is going to have to run uphill again mm -hmm. obviously we have the situation in ukraine and we don't know exactly what input prices are going to do because ukraine is such a big player in regards to the corn market that it's really hard to uh, buy cattle and feed them when corn's trending around seven dollars a bushel and so obviously that does affect the cash cattle market and how just the, the attitude of the market is presented. But thankfully, um, even though, like I said, inflation is running unbridled throughout our, our economy and throughout our marketplace, we're still seeing aggressive uh, consumer demand here domestically and then also in our export market. So honestly, I know that price, prices are going to, you know, bobble back and forth. Hopefully we make some progression here. Like I said, in the next couple of weeks, it could, you know, trade steady to sometimes $2 lower, but hopefully we just kind of trend 
steady mm -hmm. throughout the rest of the summer and we don't see any major, you know, uh, regressions. And then hopefully by the fall, we really get into a dynamic market. So that's my outlook. Mm -hmm. My, uh, I, I'm very opti optimistic about this marketplace and I'm excited. So I hope that we can just really take this market for all that it's worth and really use the opportunity of fewer cattle to drive prices higher. Yeah. Well, and, and I know too, the other comment, and I know a lot of folks under know this, that when these feed prices go up, it or historically brings our cattle prices up just because now we you know these guys are wanting to get these cattle they're not going to take them as long they're going to you know feed them to less and right. get them to the packer so we're we kind of reduce that cold storage or that overall beef uh inventory out there so historically that's kind of been the case wouldn't you say Oh, absolutely. There's the saying, and you, you marked it perfectly, high corn makes for high cattle. And so I think that we could see something like that in this marketplace. I just really think that something that, you know, could scare, you know, the market away is, is our inflation. That's not yeah. something we've seen here in years past. So that's yeah. something that we're going to have to keep a finger on. But thankfully, beef demand, like I said, both domestically and internationally has been exceptionally strong. And so I think that really just comes down to, you know, patting producers on the back and say, congratulations for making a product in which everyone desires and yearns for regardless of what the marketplace is because it's good and they trust it mm -hmm. yeah yeah that the inflation kicker in this deal is definitely a little bit of an unknown but we have to move forward because i have calves on the ground and you have calves on the ground a lot of folks have calves on the ground and we're going to be marketing them this fall <laughs> uh let's talk a little bit about cattle market news because i know that's something that's also part of what you do and uh it is a source you know much like uh, our weather caster that we have on here meteorologist Don Day. Uh, he does a, a daily video podcast as well. And similar to that, you on the cattle market side of things. Let's talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, thanks for the opportunity to give a little plug here. And so um, some folks, if you're a Facebook junkie, you might have seen a video or two. And if you're on YouTube, I'm also on there and on Instagram. So like like you said, Justin, it's pretty simple. I, I understand that markets are so important. They affect our bottom line. But I also understand that as producers, you don't have the time to sit behind the desk and, and jot down all these numbers and, and study trends and do charts. And so I that is my job. I work for DTN as a livestock market analyst. And my passion truly is the cattle market. And so that's why I started the Facebook page called Cattle Market News. And each and every week I put on there a video recapping of what happened the week before. And so I just want that to be a one-stop shop free resource for cattlemen to say, you know what, I, I don't have time to spend hours each and every day tracking the markets, tracking the trends, and, and really staying engaged to what's happened. But you know what, I can tune into a video every now and then, or I can tune into the Working Ranch Radio podcast. I can do those few things to help me stay savvy, help me stay engaged in the marketplace. And so I wanted to help producers stay engaged in the market, stay as, as active in the in the marketplace as they could. And so that's why I share the, the 10 to 12 minute video giving a recap what happened the week before because I want to help people demand the highest prices in which they can for their assets because I know it's a full-time job let alone you know throwing in the market side of things anyway so mm -hmm. like I said the Facebook page is called cattle market news and uh, I, I I love it it's my passion <laughs> and so God's blessed me more than I deserve <laughs> well and and it ties directly into what we were talking about earlier and that is we really need to be aware of, of where this market's at and part of that is taking that step to be educated yeah. this provides that i think it's a it's a it's a spot where folks can go you can listen to it in the background or if you're doing something and you can hear what you have to say exactly so, so that's right. a lot of, a lot of advantages there to it 
Well, hey, thank you. I, I sure find the information um, valuable, but guess what? I'm probably pretty biased. <laughs> yeah. So, All right. Well, Shaley, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us. I know when I when I called you last week, I said, hey, can you join me on the show? You guys were out moving cattle, putting, of course, this time of the year, everybody's pushing cattle to grass. And I'm and I, so I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us here on the program. Well, thank you, Justin. I'm just thankful for the opportunity to get to chat with you today. And uh, so if there's anything I can help you with in the future, I'd love the opportunity again. And just thank you. And I wish you and everybody else the best of luck in marketing your calves in the fall of 2022. All right. Shaley Stewart, our guest here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show, DTN Livestock Analyst and host of Cattle Market News. As she said, you can go to that Facebook page. If you just search Facebook Cattle Market News, you will find that. You can like that and you can hear her weekly update on the cattle market news. Stay with us when we come back. Meteorologist Don Day joins us as we take a look at our long-term weather for folks across the country. We'll be back when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills, meteorologist Don Day, now joining us as he does every week with a look at our long-term weather. And uh, Don, of course, in in our part of the country where I'm at here, Northeast Wyoming, we have had a lot of weather, some pretty extreme weather the last week or so that we typically, I would say, don't always see from a lot of hail, tornadoes, and things like that. But also, and I know folks across the country have been seeing. Uh, it was just not quite a week ago when we saw the flooding out of Yellowstone taking place and just something that really we hadn't seen in a long, long time. Yeah, uh, the the uh, focus of the rain really going back to April. Uh, if you to rewind the weather back last 12 weeks or so, we have seen a really persistent pattern. And for folks who listen to this podcast know that we keep talking about some of the northern part of the Pacific Northwest and parts of the northern Rockies and northern plains Going back to those blizzards that we had in North Dakota and eastern Montana, it's been a very active pattern Mm -hmm. up there as the Pacific has just been putting out these fronts and storms. So the Yellowstone floods were really two months in the making. Uh, We saw late season snow, uh, especially that Memorial Day weekend snow that dropped three feet of snow in some of the mountains in northwestern Wyoming and southwestern Montana. And actually, April and May was was cooler than normal. So the snow melt in that part of the West was a bit behind schedule. And so you take that snow melt kind of being delayed Mm -hmm. with the recent rains and then the heavy Memorial Day weekend snow, then with a big warm up combined with more rain. It just uh, everything, all the stars yeah. lined up, so to speak, to bring uh, those historic floods to Yellowstone National Park, parts of southern and southwest Montana. Thing to remember is, you know, we're so used to in many parts of the United States having rivers dammed. 
uh, you know, flood control. Mm -hmm. You're talking about wild rivers coming out of Yellowstone National Park there uh, to where the flood controls is not there. So you're really at the mercy of situations like what we just saw. Yeah. Let's talk about some other parts of the country and um, maybe some good news for those in the southwestern part of the country. Looks like we do have some moisture coming for folks. Let's talk about what you see coming for them in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we have a high pressure ridge that's going to get centered over the central parts of the United States. Now, the good news is, is that the pattern setting up the clockwise circulation that goes around that high in the center part of the country helps suddenly winds come up out of Mexico uh, and into the southern parts of the Rockies and parts of the desert southwest, sending that moisture northward. And with warm summertime temperatures combining with that humidity in the mountains, well, there's going to be uh, the most widespread coverage of showers and thunderstorms over New Mexico, parts of Arizona, the western slope of Colorado, eastern Utah, then into parts of uh, Wyoming and Montana. Those areas uh, are going to see an active thunderstorm pattern off and on here for the next week to 10 days. Uh, New Mexico, Arizona, and western Colorado in particular, and eastern Utah that really need it, are going to finally get some rain. Now, the moisture probably is not going to make it into the deserts of Southern California or Nevada, at least early. Uh, but I do see the pattern getting better for parts of the southwestern United States to get wet. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, if we were to shift a little bit to the east and look at uh, the south central part of the country, it's been hot and dry. Is that still kind of the case here for the next couple of weeks? Yeah, and that is one area that we're really concerned about with La Nina persisting, uh, the historical patterns that you see with these strong La Ninas does tend to lead to hot, drier conditions in parts of those Southern Plains in a La Nina summer. And that appears as though at least for the next couple of weeks, uh, we're gonna see a lot of heat in the nation's midsection, especially Texas, Oklahoma, parts of Kansas, uh, where they're gonna be hot and they're really not gonna have much in the way of any significant rain chances. One thing you do tend to see though, is what's called the ring of fire to where around the edges of the high, thunderstorm activity can form. And so what'll happen is, is you'll have a lot of heat, but on the Northern and Eastern edges of that high, you're gonna have showers and thunderstorms. And that would be along Interstate 80, Nebraska, into Iowa, parts of Central and Northern Illinois. So you could have the Northern and Northwest and Northeastern Corn Belt areas still get rain in the heat, while areas further to the South are gonna stay drier. All right, well, Don, thanks for joining us here again on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. And again, that's meteorologist Don Day with our weather. You can find his website at dayweather.com. Well, that's gonna put a wrap for this episode of our program here today. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. Like I said earlier in the program, if you've got a picture of a quarter, half, three quarter draft horse, I'd like to see it, send it to me, 307. 363 cows or my email is justin.workingranch at gmail.com thanks again for joining us we're right here each and every week at this same time and same place or your favorite podcast provider i'm your host justin mills and until next time keep your chin down and your mind in the middle so long 